Our first story of the week is about openly queer Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema. Sinema, like her self-acclaimed role model, Senator Joe Manchin, is what we call an opportunist politician. Most would misidentify her as a centrist, but she determines her politics by what's trending in the shark-infested waters of Capitol Hill. Let's go through her history. So Sinema started her career in politics as a progressive Green Party candidate, advocating for the abolition of the death penalty and for the end of the country's war on terror. She became a Democrat and raised enough support to become a three-term member of Congress. Unfortunately, during those terms, Sinema has been more concerned about maintaining power than doing what's right for her country. One major tactic Sinema uses is her past experiences living homeless with her family as a child. This tactic has proved her resilience and non-elitist character to appeal to centrists and Republicans. Controversially, Sinema's account of living homeless have been filled with contradictions. It's not entirely clear the history of Sinema's homelessness, but it is clear how little it has shaped her desire to help other homeless populations in her state. On March 5th, Sinema, among seven other Democrat senators, voted against raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. This type of assistance would have been a step forward in providing financial security to all Americans. You would think someone with a history of homelessness would have appreciated that type of financial security during her childhood. But that's not all. Sinema prides herself on being able to work across the aisle with Republicans as a member of the Blue Dog Coalition. But how bipartisan is she truly? In an apparent FU to her Democrat colleagues, Sinema has been sporting some expletive lace jewelry in response to being raped over the coals for her anti-minimum wage increase vote. Now, I love any type of protest jewelry. I have brass knuckles, that's about a cab. But how bipartisan can you be when you're shutting down members of your own party? And that ring, simply hideous. Sinema could use a lesson in fashion sense also. But this brings us back to cinema being an opportunist. She has proven that she'll work any angle and use any detail from her life, regardless if it's fact or fiction. Her clutching onto power is shameful when it comes at the cost of her constituents. Opportunistic Congress members like her and Manchin can be solved at your next election. Support progressive candidates because these two won't have your back. And we almost forgot it. The whole reason we're discussing Kirsten Sinema is because she's openly gay. Amid everything else, there's that factor. Just goes to show that you can't be queer and still whole, be a total garbage person. Isn't that right, Lena? Right, Nick. And thank you all for joining us. This is The Queerly News. story today is about the popularity and danger of gender reveal parties. On April 20th, police responded to an incident in Kingston, New Hampshire, at a quarry where a gender reveal party went horribly wrong. Several neighboring cities reported their houses shaking and hearing a blast due to an explosion caused by 80 pounds of tannerite, an over-the-counter explosive that is primarily used for firearms practice, but has been popularly used for gender reveal parties. Tannerite has been sold in gender review kits at usually one to two pounds. The cause for the explosion was the excessive amount of tannerite. But this isn't the first instance where gender review parties have proved dangerous and in some cases, deadly. 
That case was from 2019 when Pamela Kreinmeier was instantly killed from shrapnel from a pipe bomb explosion that was used to reveal the gender of her soon-to-be grandchild. What was supposed to be a joyous occasion at this rural Knoxville home ended in tragedy. Late Saturday afternoon, we received this press release that reads in part, the Marion County Sheriff's Office received a 911 call of an explosion. A gender reveal announcement resulted in the explosion, which caused a flying piece of debris to strike the victim. A 56-year-old woman was pronounced dead at the scene. Since then, just this year, two individuals died in a plane crash in Mexico during the botched gender reveal. And in New York, a man died from unintentionally activating an explosive device he was creating for his own child's gender reveal. Other than these tragic deaths, gender review parties have had a detrimental effect on the environment. A firefighter lost his life battling a wildfire that was caused by a gender review photo shoot, a wildfire that destroyed thousands of acres of land and forced evacuations of people fleeing the fire. And in 2017, a similar wildfire was started during a gender review party in Arizona, where over 47,000 acres of forests were destroyed. So why are gender reveal parties that started as a trend back in 2008 by blogger Jenna Karabinidis become more and more dangerous? Well, we can blame social media for that. With declining birth rates and everything being documented on platforms such as Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and TikTok, people are going to more extreme lengths to set themselves apart from the rest of the influencer pack. Gender reveal parties have moved away from celebrating family to gaining clout. This is what the creator of gender reveal celebrations had to say on the trend. Maybe gender reveal explosions should be categorized as hate crimes because they are aggressively against transgender and non-binary people. Um, other kitschy little parties that we have, uh, promposals and proposals and all these kind of things, you know, they come with like fun little dances and maybe songs and funny costumes. But for some reason, these sex reveal parties are aggressive and they cause deaths. And it's just a way for people to stomp their feet in the ground with an aggressive, threatening message that's saying it's a boy or a girl, damn it. You know, it's like two genders. Well, it's not. And there are people that are intersex, transgender, non-binary, and they need to deal with it. So it's a hate crime. Look, here's the thing. Gender review parties have proven to be dangerous, but that danger is not only limited to those involved in these tragic accidents, but the children at the center of these parties as well. Even the creator herself just acknowledged how harmful these parties are. The greatest opposition to gender reveal parties other than the deadly risks of how they are implemented are how they reinforce gender binaries, excluding the existence of gender non-conforming non-binary and trans individuals. For gender reveal parties, the choices are only blue or pink. And both gender and sex is much more complicated than that. The more we fall into reinforcing these binaries, the less we are breaking down gender roles in society. And we are predetermining the identity of a child before they're even born. That type of coding influences the way parents raise their children. And that type of coding may not be what's healthiest for the child. And even though these extreme and deadly methods for a gender reveal party mostly get more extreme because of social media cloud, many of those who engage in these deadly gender reveal parties do so as a way to push back against queer identity and to reassert a dominant heteronormative gender binary. Last year, NBC reported that most of Facebook's content and discussions of transgender identity were largely controlled by right-wing sources. 
Many of these Facebook groups that spout off hate discuss the importance of continuing to do gender review parties to get back at liberals and push back against a politically correct agenda. This is not to say that everyone throwing a gender reveal party is queerphobic, but the predominance is astounding. So what's the solution? Gender review parties are a nuanced issue. It's important to celebrate gender, but also be inclusive. We have to keep ourselves open that the children we bring into this world may not fit into some concrete category. Would this take away the purpose of a gender reveal party? Yes. But we can replace the idea with a better celebration of the gift of bringing life to, into this world. And please, can we stop using deadly explosives and poorly conceived stunts out of such celebrations? Nothing screams celebration of life like killing grandma. All right, that's our show. Stay tuned next week for another episode of the Queerly News. This has been Nick and Lena. Stay safe and stay queer.